0: Welcome to Ryan Valley. Hello, film lovers. I'm Josh Wall, and frankly, I love movies. Welcome to my podcast where I dissect movies with fellow film enthusiasts and discuss why we love the medium as much as we do. We're kicking off a very special series today with Evelyn Oliver dropping by to talk about love, romance and a whole lot of early two thousand CGI. We're talking about Moulin Rouge today. Okay, so this is the very first episode in a really cool special series. As I mentioned on an earlier episode, I just we just completed production on a short film that will be released later this year in September, Labor Day weekend. So to get you guys amped up for that we are doing uh an episode uh with one of the cast and crew members every other week um just to promote the movie and talk about why they love movies so to kick us off our lovely stunt coordinator and slate master who i guess would actually be (laughs) the second uh assistant camera uh operator uh evelyn oliver is here how are you today
1: I am doing so well. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, thank you for giving me that second production um, promotion. Really, oh, yeah. I'm blessed.
0: Of course. <laughs> no, you, you, you earned it. You, you really earned it. Um, we're talking about Moulin Rouge today. Uh, this was your pick. I'm always mm-hmm. interested just to hear about why people choose the movies that they do. That's what this whole show is about, obviously. So just give me a quick, what's your relationship with the movie? Um, do you remember... Uh, where you were when you first saw it. Why did you choose Moulin Rouge?
1: Okay, so Moulin Rouge, uh, every time you get the question like, what's your favorite movie, top movies, Moulin Rouge is number one. And then usually it's Reservoir Dogs. So you got the, the <laughs> duality of man <laughs> yeah. there. Quite a double I feature, I, love I would say. Moulin Rouge, uh, it just makes my heart sing. It's like a love letter to theater and performance and exuberance um, and just crafting something that is so so intelligent, I think, in all of its choices. Um, so when was the first time I watched? I think I saw it when I was in high school. Um, but my first like memory of it is I remember uh, back in the good old days when there were music videos on television, uh, a little thing called MTV, they would play this one video all the time and it was like christina aguilera pink i was really into both of them at mm. way too young an age like in these crazy wigs and costumes and makeup and just screlting their faces off and i remember it so vividly and not knowing i remember the images but i just didn't remember where it was from and then eventually it was like oh this is moulin rouge mm-hmm. i think by that time that kind of memory came back and um I ended up watching the movie and it was like, whoa, what I would give to have seen this in theaters. I was like five. So I did not go see it when it came out, (laughs) but um, yeah, I've watched it many, many times and there's always something new to see. It's never boring. Mm -hmm. Every single viewing is different. And I think that's just condensed why I love this movie so much. It's just so fun. Mm -hmm. It's so fun.
0: (laughs) So you already touched on something that I wanted to bring up. Uh, mm-hmm. Last year, around the same time, we started doing uh, a movie musical series, film adaptation mm-hmm. of Broadway musicals, and Moulin Rouge was always on the short list because I think it's one that a lot of people have seen, um, and we'll definitely talk about, this one was adapted, kind of reverse: this was a movie first, then adapted into a musical, which we will mm-hmm. talk about a little bit later, so <laughs> hold, hold those thoughts. Yes, we will. <laughs> um, but I, I think that this is an interesting one to pick because of the fact that it is, it's original IP, um, it's uh you know wholly um you know built from the ground up as a movie obviously using traditional pop songs um spanning all decades um even even does like the sound of music and orpheus Mm -hmm. we'll talk about those scenes um a little bit later um do you consider yourself a theater
1: kid at heart as well oh absolutely i'm a big theater kid um (laughs) Come from like a lax family, like lacrosse family, and I did that for a while. But until I started doing theater in middle school, that was like the turning point to like yeah. choose theater. And you know, I mm-hmm. went to school for it, and uh, it's just something that I am just so drawn to and to do. So d- when I was like a little kid, I didn't really do like theater camps or like community stuff. It was really more in middle school is when I started um, very seriously being like, oh. I'm an artist mom and dad <laughs> i want to go to art school sorry <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> oh that's but- funny um yeah i i mean i i've said on the show i'm the same way i started i was interested in acting like very very young and mm-hmm. theater was the the outlet for me when i was like I was like seven. I was like, I want to, I want to be an actor. I wanna I want to do theater. And Greece was the movie that like oh really my. changed
1: it for me.
0: <laughs> um, and <laughs>
1: Greece was the cornerstone.
0: Greece, when John Travolta is imitating Elvis in Grease Lightning, I was oh like, this is for me. Uh,
1: that's very theater kid. I'm gonna one up you and say the movie that changed my life was Cats, no. the filmed version of it, like the stage version. So. Yeah. We cut from the same cloth. Yeah. Anyways. No,
0: I, I, I feel you. We're connected in that way. I totally get it. Um, but uh, I, I think that in th- that's one of the things that I this was my, I guess, first full watch through of this movie. Um, I had seen the the second like half of it, like the last 45 minutes, like four years ago or something. So there were parts of the story that I remember, but I didn't know how we got Mm -hmm. got there um and it was my friend who was watching it because he was in a show at the time and everyone in that show was like you've never seen moulin rouge you gotta watch it and he was like all right um and then now finally i actually watched it for the first time all the way through and the one thing i will say that like i it is a movie that does awaken your inner you know theater spirit because uh you know it is so over the top and theatrical and very it's about very general themes of, of love and Mm -hmm. triumph. And I mean, it is, it is a movie about artistry. It is, you know, they're they're all artists that living the bohemian lifestyles, they would say. Um, and you know, it just big bombastic set pieces and musical numbers. There's a lot going on. So like, I was very much like, okay, my, my theater kid is getting, um, is happy, you know, is, is getting into it inside. Um, I, I wouldn't say necessarily the movie was a full on slam dunk for me. Um, I definitely wouldn't say it's bad. I mean, a lot of people that I know don't like this movie, and I definitely didn't want to go into it having a negative <laughs> mindset. Um, and there's a lot to, and I was, but I was a little skeptical because I'm not per se a Baz Luhrmann fan i don't really like ah, his okay of know the great Gatsby*. i really hate his version of romeo and juliet personally that's kind of one of my hotter takes in movies i think that movie's <sighs> that's that's spicy that's yeah. a spicy take <laughs> um to, now to be fair i haven't seen that movie since i was a freshman in high school um and i like romeo and juliet like i think it's a great play don't get me wrong i just that movie didn't didn't work for me um but I was thinking like okay maybe this is this is the one you know he's the the most critically lauded it was nominated for best picture it was mm-hmm. earlier um, in his career so obviously the CGI he's very reliant on visual effects and um, CGI so maybe those were different and they definitely were there's this cool like music video style um but I you know I came out of it being like you know a lot of the musical numbers definitely stuck with me the mm-hmm. performances are all great we'll talk about them in a little bit um it it, it was it was just an interesting viewing just in and of the fact that it's like I know so many people who are so attached to this movie and now mm-hmm, sure. watching it for the first time seeing like oh I okay I understand why people are attached to this are attached to this movie in this way and it is definitely a I think it would have been better had we had watched it in a group of theater kids like I think that energy would have <laughs> would have been oh better. sure
1: yeah. it it would have blown the roof off the place theater kids are like moths to the flame when it comes to Moulin Rouge it's just it's quintessential theater kid yeah oh you don't like Baz Luhrmann not
0: really I I do need to see I haven't seen all of his stuff I sure. should say I have I I think my biggest I, and and the one thing I will also say is I think it was good to watch this now because I remember when the Great Gatsby was coming out and mm-hmm. Um, and I w- and I didn't see that movie initially. I saw that movie in college um, but I remember when that was coming out and everyone was kind of turned off initially by the idea of oh, it's the 1920s and like Jay-Z's on the soundtrack. what the fuck what's going on? Um, but what I think is really interesting and we have to give Baz Lerman credit for is the fact that having you know music kind of more contemporary music set to you know a a, um, you know, a past, time frame you know kind of kicks off with this movie and you know he you know attempts it again just like playing with past and present in Romeo and Juliet and then obviously the Great Gatsby but things because of like because of stuff like like obviously like Hamilton being so mainstream as it is I think we became more used to that so when I did actually see the Great Gatsby movie that wasn't something that I had an issue with I was actually like oh I'm actually kind of used to this at this point mm-hmm. i've been listening to hamilton for like yeah. you know, all year um and now watching this i was like i i was a little worried that the i mean the song choices are obviously purposefully on the nose but i was still like oh they change them and like mash them up with different songs it's actually like you know yeah kind of, kind of works um i think a lot of it it, it he is a very music video esque director. And there's a lot of very famous directors like that. That's not inherently mm-hmm. a bad thing, but one of my biggest issues with things like, especially the great Gatsby was that it, I, it was tough to kind of move from scene to scene. He was, so, he was rushing a lot in between each, like, like dramatic point. I felt like he didn't, he w- he just kept rushing in this movie is really fast. We'll get into that a little bit. And I was worried that it was, that it the story itself wasn't going to be able to, kind of either resonate or like connect. have that weight.
1: Yeah. Have the weight it. Or, yeah.
0: or like connect with the visuals. And I was thinking, mm. is he going to be like, just like move quickly. Quick? And I think the quickness, uh, like the fast pace of this movie, I think for the most part works in it works in its favor um and you know but like it it, it is about there, there's so much in this movie too there's so much um visual references there's a lot of stuff obviously it's set in 1900 it has a lot about um you know there's references to old like george melier films like early films from the 20s mm-hmm. obviously classic you know almost shakespearean theater with the big costumes with all the like the makeup and the over-the-top characters. Everyone in this movie is a fucking maniac. Like, it's <laughs> absolutely insane. Um, and the, um, you know, just, I, I don't know. There's just so much. It's Like I said, yeah. I was telling you earlier, it's hard to kind of order my thoughts because there's just the, so much to discuss.
1: It's it's really an assault on the senses.
0: Yes. Um,
1: I definitely, I do agree. So, Great Gatsby, um, I saw Moulin Rouge before I saw... Romeo and Juliet and then the great Gatsby. Yeah. What I liked about great Gatsby. I, well, what I didn't like it as an adaptation, it didn't really hold water. I thought it could have just been better, but it was a different beast. And I I like the editing and all that, that it is this exuberance. Mm -hmm. Um, and I thought that the soundtrack, I love the soundtrack. That was like my mm. hype up pregame music. It was, is a good, um, yeah,
0: hype soundtrack. Uh, for like sure. with
1: Will I Am. Uh, just so good. And I love mm. this idea of taking stuff that's in the public lexicon and making it stylized because that is, it's a little bit more inclusive for people. Like, you know girl wants to go see it the boyfriend's being dragged along but oh there's jay-z music like okay there's one mm-hmm. thing they're gonna like about that um right. i thought the green light that just shoved down your throat in a yeah. way that's like we get it <laughs> like oh my goodness that's not the only symbol
0: yeah I, like uh, I, my, my biggest thing like and i'm sorry to cut you off but no, like, i just like talk about the like the green light stuff it it feels for me like that movie and i i'm honestly not even that big of a fan of the great gatsby story um like just generally speaking i totally understand its importance and it should continue to be taught in school it just wasn't one that really connected with me yeah um but it that movie feels like a greatest hits album or like a almost a, like a cliff notes of The Great Gatsby where it's like very clearly hitting the big emotional beats mm-hmm. like when the, that's why the scene when they go to the hotel room is so like, whoa, OK, like this is like because everyone's just screaming at each other. And obviously, no, it's like this is a big, important moment. So you better, you know, pay yeah. attention. But it but he doesn't focus on some of the smaller, more nuanced moments that like the the movie from the 70s. um that Francis Ford Coppola wrote, which I also don't really like all that much. Um, but it, it the, you are totally right. They're completely different animals.
1: Yeah, but you can see, I just, I really like a stylized movie. Mm-hmm. I guess a good example of this, I know objectively, it's a stinker. Suicide Squad. I was so <laughs> into it just because of the stylization. It wasn't good. The writing was just bad. And some yeah. of the performances are bad, but like, yeah. It it really captured that comic book style. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I love Birds of Prey. Oh, bop me too. Thank you. Bop.
0: I watched that, that album. Whew. I watched that movie after I got my second shot of COVID, and I was just in. <laughs> and I was, I was just like, I don't understand why people don't like this movie. I thought it was a fucking banger. I was so, so in good. love with it. And
1: what it does well is that it's like. Girl power where I don't feel pandered to. Not like the Charlie's Angels remake, Ghostbusters, where it's like girl power. I mean okay, but like there's really no heart behind it. There's no other reason, yeah. Yeah, Birds of Prey being like after this breakup and she's finding all this. It just so smart. Yeah. But so I love like a really stylized movie. So that's why I like Baz Lerman stuff for better or for worse because I know like visually and mentally, I'm going to be entertained and I'm going to be loving it. Um, Yeah. (laughs) His style I think can be off putting though, Mm -hmm. but what I really like about Moulin Rouge and I just kept every time I see new things and I was writing down just how every single aspect of the production and the storytelling are so well thought out and meshed together. Like the editing, I think is just as important to the narrative as like the dialogue, like the editing Mm -hmm. has its own character and it creates this larger than life world where, you know, during the opening, welcome to the Moulin Rouge, Harold Ziedler's out in the rain and he starts cartwheeling back in. And it's like, Mm -hmm. that's absurd, but this is the world. Um, I just I, I think so many of the elements come together to make it just so immersing, and like you don't have time to think when they're cutting back and forth. You're just you're locked yeah, in,
0: mm-hmm. absolutely. And the and we'll talk about the editing editing a little bit later. There are points where I was like, "All right, yeah, this is effective," and other points where I was like, "Jesus Christ!" Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I think Baz Luhrmann has been one um, who. You you are right, he does have a very distinct visual style, hyper um, hyper effective editing, um, you know, big musical um, influences. And, you know, Romeo and Juliet, you know, like it or not, does also have very clear late nineties. When did that movie come out? Ninety six or something uh, like that?
1: ninety-six, I think.
0: Ninety six, yes. Ooh. Look at that. Um, you know, that obviously has a lot of Ninety six, like rock and um, like West Coast kind of style music. Um, and this one is all contemporary pop. Uh and and yeah, I mean, for better or for worse, he is very much known for. You know a Baz Luhrmann movie when you see it. The colors yes. are similar. The the 100%. pacing of his movies are like usually you know pretty pretty similar. Um, and you know I I definitely have been known to kind of quote him as a style over substance director. Mm, um, this one okay. is a little this Moulin Rouge. I, I I will say I liked Moulin Rouge the most out of those other three mm-hmm. or those other two. Um, and again, I still need to see more of his stuff to kind of get a more full view of his um, filmography. I mean, he hasn't made a movie since. Um, uh, since The Great Gatsby, um, yeah. however, I will say I am actually very excited for his new movie because it's all about Elvis. And oh, uh,
1: really? I don't yeah, know it's that. an
0: Elvis. It's an Elvis biopic, and having someone having him be kind of like off from filmmaking for you know eight years and coming back with this, I'm like, oh, okay, let's see what you've been cooking. Um,
1: yeah. I think he's a good choice for for an Elvis story.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm very curious to see to see where it goes, um, but. I think here he. I feel like his inner kid was woke, like not. I don't know if he did theater or not, but he was very clearly having a lot of fun with this movie, and that is one thing I will absolutely praise the movies that I think everyone's having a great time. It's not like one where that. that's another, th- another thing when you watch certain movies like and any movie where you watch, and you're cl- it's clear that like no one's enjoying this like mm-hmm. it may look good. Like there may be good. That's one of the biggest problems I have with Bohemian Rhapsody is no one's having fun in that movie. Like I think <laughs> everyone just very clearly has a gun to their back to just be like, do the scene and then make the movie. Do That's the like,
1: best impression you can do.
0: Yeah. Like, put on that uh-huh. mustache Rami. God damn it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but here everyone is in it. Like everyone is locked in. And uh, do, do you think that that is like, I don't know. it. it I feel like movies have changed so much from the way that this movie is is structured, is presented, um, you know, from the editing, from the sound effects, to the the graphics. Is it I feel like it is an of its time kind of movie. Do you think this movie could have been made now? I mean, I think they're just trying to bring it back with the with the musical. Yeah. But I mean, it's so so of its time in a, in a way. Uh,
1: I don't know if the amount of risks that it takes, you know, style over substance, it is stylized, but like, you know, his style and you know, it's Moulin Rouge and it's not like anything else that was out. One thing that I like noticed watching it from, I I love after I see movies the initial time watching again and kind of thinking from the actor's perspective, like with like war movies, um, Pacific, speaking of Rami, like Pacific or Band of Brothers, like as an actor, like that would have been so cool to mm-hmm. be on this battlefield in these barracks doing your scene. You're really immersed in it. And yeah. I think what's clear about Moulin Rouge is that w- why I say that the editing is just as important as everything else is that it is edited in this way, but it's its own production live. They're doing it straight through. They're not jumping around like that. And sure, mm-hmm. probably they had to get, you know, jump cuts, you know, this cut, this, this. But like these big dance numbers, all of this stuff where that energy is so electric because they really are in this, you know, studio dance hall with these costumes and these unbelievably high stakes. So I, I would hope that it would be made these days. Um, mm-hmm. I-, I don't know if Moulin Rouge, the stage musical, is. <laughs> it, that is also its own beast. So I don't want to say that's what it would be today. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: Did you see the musical?
1: So I, I did not see the musical. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm from New England. So it was at, I think it was at the ART or the Boston Opera House. It was, I I think it was Boston. Yeah, yeah, it was the Boston Opera House, I'm pretty sure. And it was doing this tryouts there. And I never got to go see it because I was up in New Hampshire doing summer stock. And one of my friends went down to see it. And she came back and she was like, "Uh, it was its own thing mm. and when she told me what they did for tango roxanne oh, i no. became so i'm just i i can feel the rage filling my body i was so <laughs> angry i was so angry because that's the big thing how yeah. are they gonna put that on stage and then they don't do the orchestration they don't really the argentinian isn't singing it it's aaron toveit sounding great but like <laughs> that's we? not a uh
0: that's that's not a part for him. Like I'm I, a listen. Uh, I'm a big, uh, yeah. big fan of Aaron Tveit. Don't get me wrong. Next to Normal changed my life. Don't get me wrong. But <laughs> that that's a this is a part that is much lower in his register and. I, <laughs> you need. He needs to be younger. You need someone younger. One hundred
1: percent. This is 100%. a movie. One hundred percent.
0: That's the other thing I was noticing is that this is a movie about young people, and I, not everyone in the movie is young quote unquote like the age that they should be but it's not distractingly so they're like beautiful people just like portraying a younger mindset in this kind of gallivanting of older theatrical tricks and i'm fine with that but in this show he's got this long ass weird emo (sighs) haircut and i know aaron debates like 45 and i can't like Uh,
1: lines and and, like karen olivio i believe i mean they have a Good voice. It's just not Satine to me. And I understand them wanting to change Satine to be a little bit more, you know, in her power. She's making the choice because if we think about would Moulin Rouge as it is be made today, I don't think it would include some of the assault that happens. Yeah. I think it's justified within it because the stakes keep going and you know that it's going to happen.
0: Mm-hmm. And like
1: once the triangle starts, you know, something bad is going to happen. Yeah. it. It could have been a lot worse, but in the stage, instead of that, because that's a big part of Tango Roxanne, is that is happening simultaneously to Christian languishing mm-hmm. during this tango. They, ch- I understand having to change it to take that out. And I think it is a good choice to have, like, the Duke in the musical actually be, like, kind of sexy. And it's, like, you know, bad boy versus Christian good love. Like, <laughs> Christian the character, not, like, ah, yeah. ah Christian. But <laughs> you, do you like how I picked a note and then I didn't like it? So yeah. I picked that <laughs> <high enough. laughs> Oh,
0: weird. boy. No, there was a change, though. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> um, but so – uh, I totally understand having this kind of different characterization of Satine in this modern age where it's her choice, you know. She she still has duties as kind of this courtesan, and that's a big point of conflict. But she's not with someone who is so very clearly not good for her, mm-hmm. I guess. Um,
0: that's the thing, though, is that the story, like, I was never... I don't want to say I wasn't like locked in with the story but I knew what was going to happen like you could very clearly see it coming but also Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. intentionally so that
1: 100% um,
0: it's very like because they're saying love a lot they're Mm -hmm. talking about you know betrayal jealousy these are very general themes that old you know theater like traditional theater productions tackle so they're obviously paying homage to all of that Um, and you know yeah obviously that so, like, the, then, yeah, the thing with Tango Roxanne is so good, and we'll get to that scene is that, like, there is a great juxtaposition going on there, and that's yeah. effective. And, and you can't really do that on stage. Um, you have to, well, I mean, you have to do it in a, in a different way. Um, but also, the fact that the editing, again, like you said, is so baked into how the music plays out and the choreography, and, I, like, I don't know how that translates. It just feels mm-hmm. like it definitely would be its own animal. But again, like, I don't know why. You, like because the story is made for film and the music is it's a jukebox musical it doesn't feel like the most opportune thing to put on broadway broadway right know. now maybe that's yeah. just becoming my you know further and further you know annoyance with the commercialization of broadway sure. like uh it, but yeah,
1: yeah. um <laughs> i totally get what you're saying and what you're saying before about how they're like not Young people. It's that idea of young love. It's first love. It's Christian's first love. It's Satine's first love. She's made Mm -hmm. love, but like this is the real thing. And Mm -hmm. you're totally right. They tell you everything that's going to happen, they tell you everything along the way. You know, you have Nature Boy in the beginning where it's Toulouse, which is the same shot at the end where he's starting to sing it. You see. How everything has just deteriorated because you know Satine is this bohemian ideal, and she dies, and so does this kind of I- idealism of the revolution. But and you know he tells you right away the woman I love died, and everything's gone to pot. So here's how it happened. And uh, something I noticed I was just watching. Of I just love watching the can can <laughs> sparkling diamond bit. It just. It just gets me so happy. Mm -hmm. I noticed in her very first shot, you know, the first line is the French are glad to die for love. And she's saying it right to the camera. And then they have like this superimposed shot of her dying breath when she's in the big jewels and the big performance at the end, kind of like gasping up. And it looks kind of, I I just didn't really, I knew it was there, but I didn't really catch what that was at first. And it's like, Mm -hmm that's literally her first line. They tell yeah. you every step of the way that this is going to be tragic and this is melodramatic. Yes. So in a that, way, that's it's, the key. Yeah. That it's, it's not comforting, but I, for me, it's like, okay, I know what to expect. So it's not like, Oh, is he going to kill? Oh, she's going to, what's going to happen. It's like, you know, everything. So strap in and enjoy, because this is X, Y, Z. Um, mm-hmm
0: absolutely and I think that I want to finish this point before we get to the critical breakdown (laughs) so this movie it comes out in 2001 and is a jukebox Mm -hmm. musical so I think that in terms of making the case that it could be made today the biggest component of it is that it is a jukebox musical and it it seems like most of the movie musicals that get made nowadays Mm -hmm. sands for like La La Land uh, and (sighs) Geez, I don't even know but like the big movie musicals that come out nowadays are you know are jukebox you know Rocketman is obviously extremely popular both Mamma Mia films mm-hmm. um, even you know it's it's terrible but Rock of Ages was you know very successful oh um, you know it,
1: they made that a movie
0: God that movie I can't even begin to tell you how many times I want how much I wanted to do that on this show for the last series because that movie is not good but I it is like it. There's so much to talk about just how sure. strange that movie is. It's like nothing in that movie works. Like, it's just one of those things where it's like nothing in this movie works. And it's fascinating yeah. to watch. Um, that
1: thing ran for so long on Broadway.
0: That show is <laughs> terrible. <laughs> that show is it's... awful. <laughs> oh, but, but again, people like it because and I and I'm, you know, I'm guilty of it. I grew up with 80s rock and roll. Mm-hmm. I, I get it. I People like it. Because, and it's the same with this. You know, I think a lot of reason that people flock to this is because the songs are so easily recognizable and they're so on the nose and so very much like we're mm-hmm. going into this musical number. I'm going to read the first verse of your song and then we're going to start singing it. So get ready, audience. Sure. Um, but it, they do some really cool things with it, like mashups and whatnot. Um, yeah. Do you, I, I want to know, like, just in terms, like, I think the Jukebox musical is is always going to be here to stay, but like, and I have such a tumultuous relationship with them because some of them I'm like, and more often than more often than not, I'm like, Oh, oh boy. But there are ones that I do quite enjoy. Like I can kind of get behind all shook up. I think that shows honestly kind of fun. Um, yeah. but you know, a lot of the times it's just like, I, you're just trying so hard to make a story out of songs and it's really yes. hard to do that.
1: So my thought about jukebox musicals, my hot take has always been, you know, if I wanted to listen to Frankie Valli in the Four Seasons, (laughs) I would go to Google.com, YouTube.com and listen to it. If I wanted to listen to ABBA, I'd play some ABBA. Share, I'd put on share. It's it. It's the share always
0: show. <laughs> share show.
1: It just feels. I don't say lazy and like I, I I saw the Jersey Boys film and I actually think it does so much better in the film medium. Interesting. Um, it's it's more transformative than just watching. And then we wrote Sherry, Sherry, and then we wrote this, and it's like, yeah. oh my god. <laughs> um, so that's like my love hate with jukebox musicals i just it always feels so pandery but i also think it's very inclusive because like yeah. what i was saying you know joe schmoe going with his wife and kids to the theater oh god what are we watching oh rock of ages i know that stuff and then right. whoa that was so cool so let's go see this show let's go see this one versus like oh my god i gotta go to wicked No, honey, I don't want to go to the next show. But so I think it's a really good gateway for certain groups that don't consider themselves theatrical or in that where I guess Rock of Ages is really my my big example because it shows that theater can be something you know and that you love and we can do something really cool with it and you're going to be engaged. So I think jukebox musicals have a purpose. But when every single show – is a jukebox musical or written by popular artists? Uh, I just kind of go, uh, like, where's, where's the theater? Where's yeah. the original stuff? Um, so I, uh, it, I it just
0: totally agree. Pander. I that's my, yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with that. It's my, like, and it is, it is weird because, yeah, I'm, I'm all for. You know, showing people what theater can do, get more people into theater and understand mm-hmm. that it is like it is an avenue for people. You know, I think still to this day, you know, so many people don't go into theater because they think it's not viable. But it, yeah, it is musicals like that are what the what some people see the MCU as to movies like very. You know, theme park esque, um, (laughs) like um, amusement park attractions, and I don't, and I don't mean to say that in a fully negative thing because that's been happening in entertainment for you know decades, and that's there's
1: a bottom line you got to make. You need to make money,
0: yeah, and you know I love the Marvel movies, but I'm also one to be like, I I want something new, I want something original, and I I do, I will praise, you know, um, the Moulin Rouge for it's a very ballsy movie in the fact Mm -hmm. that. I think they kind of knew going into it. it It's like some people aren't going to like this and this is also going to challenge your knowledge of just entertainment and you know, both the art form of film and theater. Um, And, and yeah, so I, I think there's just a lot to get into. So let's just dive in. Uh, (laughs) Let's go to the critical breakdown. (laughs) Um, the one thing I wanted to say to connect these two segments together mm-hmm. is the um, the back to the, going kind of back to the idea of the fact that the story is very much like there's so much foreshadowed. Yeah, you, you know kind of right off the bat like just from the whole image of like oh he's a writer and he's you start off with him after Satine's death and he's starting to write and he's starting to tell the story like obviously he's going to get to a long place and he says he's never loved before so it's like okay so it's going to be first love lost mm-hmm. and and it doesn't necessarily make it so I'm then not invested in bored but then my it just changes my what I'm actually invested in and what I was invested in was the performers and every performance in this movie I think for the most part I think there's really only one or two people where I was like eh but everyone is giving it everyone I'm like yes Ewan McGregor yeah let's fucking do it Uh, I think
1: you should probably add an honorary spot for Ewan McGregor's incredibly wide vowels that's a character (laughs) In itself, yes. Oh my, god. oh my god. Boy has a mouth. Like wow, he, he
0: has a mouth. That's right. Oh my god, yeah. And I, I'll let's. I'll, I'll we'll talk about that in, in just a second. But like the commitment of everybody, like is just off the charts. Like like I, I said, everyone's a maniac. Like Leguizamo, who's kind of the one person in this movie that takes me out of it because I don't like his lisp. It's kind of annoying to me, but he is still. But he gets that one scene at the end where he's trying to connect with Ewan McGregor, and I was like, "See, John Leguizamo is super talented, but he's never used to his like fullest potential." <laughs> okay. But like in this, it's like you know, he, Jim Broadbent. I fucking love him. Like, it's, love yeah, he, he was just like, he's like, yeah, I'll wear parachute pants and put on a crazy twirly mustache. What, what do you want me to do? Just he's I'll incredible. do it. Yeah. Everyone is like just being like, yeah, I'll do this. I will absolutely just everyone is fully committed to the idea. And I think that is what is really driving this movie for me.
1: Yeah. The the performances are all very three dimensional. It's mm-hmm. not just, oh, I'm the songbird prostitute trope you know ill heroine that dies it, Satine is very complex in a way that they might not say it but you can just see it and the way Nicole gosh, Nicole Kidman is just incredible Ewan McGregor is just his his range is crazy yeah. they've uh, both yeah.
0: been two of my favorites for a very long time I've always been a big fan of Nicole Kidman so good so, and and- she continually <laughs> tops herself to this day
1: So good. Just the commitment. And she is so gorgeous. Um, McCrager's great. Say, John Linguizamo, I I really like John Linguizamo. I think he's just such a character. And I Mm -hmm. always I love to see character actors successful. Mm -hmm. Because it's like, hell yeah, good for you. The lisp is a little much. You're already trying to sell me that he is. Uh, like a little person which uh, in in history toulouse was so i get mm-hmm. that but like perhaps he had a lisp do we need to include it transformative sure maybe he come up with it like okay but i, I could buy that Gotta love the argentinian Ar- oh my Ar- God. narcoleptic argentinian Fantastic. Uh, yes, that's- all of the bohemians <laughs> are great they're all just yeah. so individual and if you every time I watch, I like to watch different people in the background. And it's one of those movies where I I totally believe everybody has their own rich inner life Mm -hmm. and they're not just here. Okay. Action. I'm the character. It just, it, it feels like I'm really there with them. And even uh, this, this past viewing, I kind of focused in on the Duke. Um, Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I was, I was looking at him a lot too.
1: He has some genuinely like unsettling, creepy moments, but he's not one note creepy. Mm -hmm. He's he's an excellent comedic actor where it's like, oh, he's kind of gross, but he's so funny. And the end scene, you can see this just I feel bad for him. The genuine heartbreak that, you know, this kind of old school idea of love that you can buy her buy her love. And still, that's not enough. And this poor person, true love. Why can't? I ever have that. No money is going to buy the love that she has for Christian. And you right. can just see that on his face. And like, he's kind of a, a jerk at certain points, but like mm-hmm. he, that's just such, I think a nuanced performance there. Like a virgin is just. The,
0: oh my God.
1: Yeah. The comedic relief. <laughs> oh my God. Jim Broadbent yeah, is just they're,
0: incredible. They're both really going for it. Like. I wanted them and- to make out at the end of it, honestly. Like, I was <laughs> just, like, real. hoping um, that that was going to be the turn.
1: And, like, <laughs> Obviously, just it thinking-
0: wouldn't make sense, but I would have been like, all right. <laughs> sure, yeah. that,
1: this works. <laughs> uh, Jim Broadbent, too, his performance as Ziedler is so good that yeah. he has these moments as Ziedler that, you know, he's a master improviser when Christian's there on stage and he's like, oh, like, I see, you've donned a disguise. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, um, when in the beginning, when Satine first collapsed and we see, oh, she's dying. He, you know, ah, let's keep going. Yeah. Um, and then you know she's confessing before like a virgin. It's yeah, his performance is so good because you can like see the the gears turning and it's mm-hmm. like you're being thrown this way and then slapped over to this direction.
0: He's um, also like a good like almost father figure like protective figure to her like it's not like he's trying to just do this as a business because you could kind of take it in that direction when like in the opening number when they're when she's like changing like around like in the crowd and he's like oh the duke's over there you're gonna want to make sure you know get in get in his room oh you should wear this you should do this this but then afterwards is like oh you're you're dying you should you're dying you have to you know i I want you to be safe like he's actually caring for her yeah making sure that like you know yes slimy
1: or gross he's not slimy
0: and and the thing about the duke is that he's so slimy the duke also i think what's really great about him is that he obviously is just like he is like shooting for the fences like he's just (laughs) like and but he is also playing into the way that he looks like he already has this kind of look on his the way that his face is structured is already kind of like really intense yes Um, but by making him goofy you're never like there are moments obviously where you are unnerved by him but you're also like all right we know this guy's gonna lose but like he Th- they do such a great job with his face of like times when he's just like listening, but he's like very clearly like seething inside. Like he just yeah. has this like super intense, almost twitchy look about them. Mm-hmm. But then, but then, yeah, he can go into like a virgin and, you know, be <laughs> like, so like over the top and dance, like jumping off the table. The jello
1: boobies. I yeah.
0: Love <laughs> oh my God. Oh. Uh, I want to talk about you and McGregor. Um, Mm -hmm. who, in my opinion, is, like, one of the most, you know, obviously, like, well-recognized actors now, but I still honestly think is extremely underrated. Like, I I don't think that people really know what his powers are, and I I think that he, yes, obviously, is recognized because, like, you know, two years before this, he was in a Star Wars movie um, Mm -hmm. and is going to be known forever as Obi-Wan, and that's amazing. But he is just, like, so... He's one of the best actors to immediately get the audience on their side. I think you could go into a movie and be like, you automatically like Ewan McGregor because he seems like such a nice person and also is so, mm-hmm. he, he's, he's gorgeous, yes. But he's also like, you know, <laughs> <coughs> he's, he seems like a real guy. Like he seems like mm-hmm. someone that you could like really get along with and at least side with. Um, and here yeah. he is just like, wow. I, I think it's just really, really great when he... He he gets the childhood, the childish quality of of Christian of the character, even though obviously he's in his like, like in his late twenties, early thirties or something. But he is so baby-faced that it works, and you can see as someone who has so much passion in him, and so much drive, and is a very romantic character. I love romance in movies, and not just the the typical like you know rom com sense of the word, Mm -hmm. but someone who is who feeds off of love and feeds off of the like drive in life to, to want for something better for themselves and constantly mm-hmm. try and, you know, uh, just achieve that. And he really paints a good portrait of who an artist is. Um, and yeah, I think, yes, his vowels. Oh, my God, they're so tall. <laughs> and I, I think that that in and of itself is that makes this movie from the very early 2000s is because they obviously got actors who hadn't sung that much before um but they actually made it work like Uh, nowadays it's like different yeah 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 Yeah. i
1: I like that they're not technically perfect it makes it far Mm -hmm. more more real and more believable um i just i guess a quick ewan mcgregor bit is that i remember watching the uh live action uh (laughs) we could talk about live action disney's uh for hours um the beauty and the beast. Mm-hmm. I liked it enough. I'll just never forget just credits happening. And then it's like you and McGregor as Lumiere. And I just start dying. Cause I'm yeah. like, I'm sorry. What? Yeah. Like I had no idea. I didn't think he was the best for that. Or, but like, right, I yeah. like that he can sing, but it's not like overt musical theater singing where it's like, Oh, you're very trained. I think that yeah. adds to his naivety and the charm He Mm -hmm. just placed that innocence so well. And I think it's, like, not so much carnal innocence, if you will, but, like, innocence of just how the world works.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It has a lot of space to grow (laughs) and a lot of Mm -hmm. more life to lead. Um, And I've also never been someone who's, like, so much of a stickler for technical singing. Mm -hmm. Um, I usually just think if it sounds good for the song, then it sounds good for the song. Um, Like, like I'm... I personally really like Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone and La La Land, even though they're obviously not like technical, like technically amazing singers. But I, mm-hmm. I personally think they're both great. Um, but yeah, here it, it does feel very two thousands, but also is part of the charm. But they also they sound good together. Their their like vocal mm-hmm. styles match really well. So when they are singing together, not one doesn't necessarily stick out more than the other. I can I'm able to listen to both of them and be like. Yeah, they also they're also both good examples of like when you hear them speak, or when you hear them sing, it's like yeah, that's how they, that sounds. Pretty much exactly yes. how they talk. Like 100%. Their, their vocal pitches, like, are matched to those two very different styles. And I like that. Yeah. Like, I think they're both good. Like, I think they're both fantastic.
1: They're both. I mean, and they were at the top of their game mm-hmm. at this point mm-hmm. in the very early 2000s. So that that those must have been huge pulls into the movie, which. I think they're – obviously, I don't know what, like, the reaction was when that casting and, like, the trailer and stuff was announced. But, like, I, I could totally understand people being like, uh, he was just Obi-Wan. Like, why is he doing this? Like, a little pandry, But, like, once you see it, it's like – I just think <clears throat> he and Nicole Kimmet just embody Christian and Satine effortlessly. Truly. I, I just – believe it so much
0: this is also a good example of where it is kind of like just stars being stars just throwing themselves into these types of roles where they're so clearly made for movie stars because this movie is very self-aware and you know obviously acknowledges everything about itself but it is very clearly like these are just let's just use stars to their ability and make them feel a little bit different, but also like really play to their strengths. When we you know I, we, we did Chicago on this show a year ago or last year. And then Chicago came out the year after this movie, very different mm-hmm. movies, uh, obviously very. just in terms of story, but even in, in style. But that movie also is, is a very much like an exercise in just being like, you put famous people in a movie and you give them a lot of great scenes to chew on and you get <laughs> yourself a movie
1: and it works. <laughs> that's just how it goes god chicago is just one of the best um chicago musical to uh musical to uh film adaptation i think that there is truly it's just it's an excellent it does away with what it needs to do, do away with um for me it's kind of like what i was saying about like jersey boys is that i think the film medium of it and having the very historically accurate vignettes as opposed to you know fishnets and the fossy all that that it is on broadway it's its own beast and but it's still such a good beast because you really get submersed into all right 1920s here we go just like this is paris 1900 here we go mm-hmm. um, that i feel like is missing in the stage version of of moulin rouge a little bit
0: interesting yeah um let's talk about some of the songs I think yes. you know you kind of leave the movie with the songs in your head. Obviously mm-hmm. the one, you know, big famous one is Come Up May because it was the original song. Um, yes. and you know there's there's Elton John, there's the Beatles, there's um, the Police obviously with Tango Roxanne, there's there's everyone. There's every, you know, postmodern pop mm-hmm. artist is is featured on this soundtrack. And I would say like I was a little worried like going into it because like I sometimes when you you do that it depends on the song choice and I think that I was worried when I heard smells like teen spirit start to play because I don't know if you're familiar with the movie pan that came out a few years ago, which is like this pan. Peter Pan prequel movie. And oh, they had scene, I think so. Yeah. They had a scene where like kids are kids and Hugh Jackman are singing smells like teen spirit. And that movie's not even Ugh. a musical. And it's like, that's weird. And so that kind of ruin. And that, that song again, it's just because that song says like entertainers here, like, entertain us. It's like it has that line in there and it's, Sure. So I was a little worried going into it, but what I liked about it is use in here. Um and it was still a little distracting, but they mash it up with another song. You know, it's mm-hmm. a part of a mashup and in, in terms of a bigger scene. You also it's get like throwing. all the all the cast coming in, the whole ensemble. Everyone's doing these crazy dances and it's supposed to be this like overwhelming like, "Oh my god, where this is the world of this nightclub. Like what's mm-hmm. what's going on? This is crazy." Um so so it, again, it didn't it didn't bother me that much, um, yeah. Personally, but uh, I can see why you know it, it would be a little off-putting, because again, it's another example of just taking the lyrics to a song and being like, okay, how can we fit this into this story? Sure. Um, and it's that's a tough that's a tough undertaking, um, mm-hmm. but I would say for the most part, um, it it works some sometimes I think better than others. <clears throat> yeah.
1: So. Something that I've been just thinking in my mind—it's like reconciling with that I don't really like jukebox musicals, but I love Moulin Rouge, and mm-hmm. it is jukebox. So, right. what is the difference? I think a this is really one of the first of its kind, yeah, especially in you know film form. So, let me—I wrote this down because I had this thought. So, I think it is an insanely clever jukebox musical. Because, mm-hmm. you know, that, and it has a mix of their own songs in there. And then you got something like uh, Elton John, like your song, like that's the full song. It's not cut or anything. But you have songs where, Welcome to the Moulin Rouge, all that, it's cuts of different things thrown in there. And I think using a music that was very much in the public... Lexicon smells like Teen Spirit. Uh, that's just the big one there. Throwing that in there, it comes out of left field, and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. huh, that kind of works. And so, so, so Moulin Rouge, I uh-huh. think, is very smartly written because it uses this public music and things here and there. Some of it's a little on the nose, but some of it is like wait oh i know that one so it's brilliant because it makes the viewer feel smart the viewer goes i know that one i can recognize that whereas in a jukebox musical you are told from the musical that hey we're using frankie valley in the fourth season so Mm -hmm. this is what's happening aren't we so clever (laughs) so instead of the audience member being clever for recognizing it It's the musical that's clever because we turned it on its head. So uh, I think the jukebox elements in Moulin Rouge are, are so smart because the viewer feels clever that really the first thing that you're introduced to that's turned on its head is the hills are alive with the sound of music. That's recognizable even if you don't do theater. That's like a, hey, wait a minute. Like, isn't that sound of music? And then mm-hmm. when Christian completes it and fully does what we know as the audience, that's the actual lyric. We're almost like stand-ins for Christian because it's like he's brilliant. We knew what it was, and he got it right, so he is this visionary, and you're along for the ride. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think that was is just one of the only so ones smart. where I was
0: like, ah, I don't know about that, personally. It, it,
1: at first, it I think it sets it up to be like, oh no, is this like a musical review? It's a little questionable at yeah, first because it's the only but, one
0: that is from an actual from another musical. You know, yeah. the rest of them are just like their own songs. Um, so I, it felt it just felt weird. Sure, that scene is that scene is funny, but that was the only one where I was yeah. like, are they going to do the full song? Like, yeah. No.
1: I think I, I like it because it's just such a very clearly iconic. Everyone's gonna know it, and then it turns into the Green Fairy, all that, and then it transitions to Moulin Rouge. So right away, it's like, hey, these are tropes and I'm not cliches, but things that you know. We're gonna switch it around and do something funky. Uh, so mm-hmm. when like smells like Teen Spirit comes in, uh, it's very for me. It's very reminiscent of. Do you know Sweet Charity? I I know of the show. I haven't seen it. Okay. Well, Fosse did the choreography for that.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: And there's kind of this dance break, the Rich Man's Frug, Frug, yeah, Rich Man's Frug, I think. Um, And it's, like, comprised of three different dances, uh, like Rich Man's Frug, the Heavyweight, and, like, I think the Big Finish. And it's you know that this character goes to this kind of like nightclub and it's all these people who you know fossy blank faces doe eyes very weird body stuff um you know so controlled uh she's like watching she has a line where she's like wow this place is hopping with celebrities like i'm the only person i don't know and what it <laughs> is it's like making fun of high society
0: right and people mm-hmm. who
1: are snooty and you can see it in all of like the dancing so it's like using music and movement to critique society and to critique a group of people and a group of ideas. And I get that feeling when you have these guys dressed in penguin suits, you know, tucks and top hats, all kind of in a phalanx, just marching in saying, here we are, entertain us. It's on the nose. But like, you know exactly what the vibe is and exactly who these guys are and exactly what these women are here to do. So I... It takes something that you know, and I think that it turns it around to make its point mm-hmm. really well.
0: Yeah, and it also, it it does also do this, like, it has to get the audience in to the world kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, and, you know, it has to be, like, it also is kind of making fun of itself, almost, where it's like, yeah, these guys are artists. This is fucking ridiculous, but you you're going to get into it. So here's yeah. us singing Smells Like team Spirit and then we're going go to go Material, into Material Girl and yeah. do like jump from eight different songs and like this almost like Scorsese with Goodfellas kind of way of like, mm-hmm. yeah, it is, you know, the first act of this movie was kind of where I was like, oh no, am I, uh, is it going to be tough for me to get into this? Because it is so, it's a lot. Like it is mm-hmm. like, but but once Nicole Kidman shows up, that's the scene where I was like all right let's let's go because she has the great entrance and you know her like just performing for everybody and everyone's attention is directly on her like it's very like yeah it's so you can't help but draw yourself into it
1: yeah and you know she's this incredible performer and she wants she earnestly wants to be an actress mm-hmm. but you know this is her lot in life right now and I love the scene. You know, we we're talking about how Ziedler could be like slimy, but he's not. He's fatherly. Like when they're doing the changing bit in her number and they're talking about the investor, like what's his type, smoldering temptress, all this. It's like she's worn these hats before and done this and she knows how to play the game. You can see Christian and the Duke like falling in love with her back to back when they see her. So mm-hmm. it it's just such it's a perfect introduction to who she is, I think. Yeah. And a cool kitten it, slays the game. Yeah, oh.
0: absolutely. And I mean it also does again again being so self referential and understanding of mm-hmm. um theater tropes and like i mean the whole story of this movie is that like you know it it, it is so theatrical and that it's about they have to build this theater basically from the ground up be, to keep the ruse that this writer and actress are not in love but they actually are and the duke is going to start this like like that is so traditional but mm-hmm. also so ridiculous that it is like they but they know it so it's like yeah we're gonna have um but we gotta add something to it so they add the you know the little twist of um you know with the music and then pair it with the editing of Mm -hmm. just we know exactly what we're doing um but it is ridiculous and I don't say that as a as a negative like this movie's ridiculous this is like absolutely ridiculous um like that scene I I, okay can we talk about the your song into the Orpheus um scene we
1: Orpheus
0: because they do Orpheus in the Underworld to the, you know, it'll run for 50 years. That's Orpheus in the Underworld.
1: Oh, OK. That was that was the other example. I was like, oh, I didn't mention that. That's one of those that makes the reader, the viewer feel smart. It's like, oh, I recognize that. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it's called. It's, it's like classic music, but I recognize that. Hell, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's yeah. another example of that. But um, OK, so that. Oh, yeah, Orpheus. let's, let's talk about know. there's
0: a lot going on in that scene uh cuz yeah so she you know that uh what's his name christian christian like is you know posing as the duke and there's a lot of there's a lot of dick jokes in there about like you know talking about poetry and oh my she's, God. <laughs> and she's like on the bed and she obviously knows cuz she's so that's been like her job is being like this courtesan like um you know basically a prostitute um and she's so like and then she meets this guy who actually just wants to read poetry and then (laughs) he starts you know reciting the lyrics to your song which was one thing where i was like i've never been a fan of reciting the words to songs like Mm -hmm. i kind of wish he had just gotten into it but that's just a personal preference and she is going like she is just like playing up the sexual nature of this and I, again I get it in the story but I was watching it last night and I was like what the fuck
1: is going on I had to turn <laughs> the volume down when when you were like oh I'm watching it like there's a lot of sex I was like what? Like, I mean, I guess, and then watching it objectively, like, oh, whoa, there is a lot of sex. Yeah, people
0: are so horny in this. She movie. goes it
1: for it. She, she does, goes yeah. for it.
0: Yeah, Anything and I told you, I, no, absolutely. She again, totally committed. And I said, I told you earlier, like, this comes out 2001. She divorced Tom Cruise earlier in the year. I think she's got a lot of built-up, you know, (laughs) sexual anxiety that Mm -hmm. she has to let out somehow. And Baz was just like, yeah, go go ahead. Go for it. Go (laughs) go
1: for it. Oh, my gosh. It's just uh it, it's a slapsticky and just you know like oh a comedy of misunderstanding so mm-hmm. it, you kind of have that trope in there it really is like a love letter to all these different tropes you know yeah. mm-hmm. um but definitely that <laughs> I, I like the recitative nature of it because it kind of eases you in where it's like oh it's a poem then it's like oh wait this is your song or whatever yeah I guess um, it, just
0: because I've heard this song so many times it sounds weird when someone actually just reads the lyrics to it sure um but the actual song song is terrific like that it. scene and the whole like the whole actual like staging of the musical number and then they're in front of like outside in the sky and it's like it's beautiful like it honestly is really good the song is really good it's a really well done um, yeah you know, adaptation of it. And Ewan McGregor, that boy can get up there. He's got some high notes to say. He's got
1: some range, like, locally and acting wise. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's just such a good scene.
0: Yeah, and then it continues and the, the Duke, the real Duke actually comes in Mm -hmm. and, you know, he's trying to hide behind Nicole Kidman or like, (laughs) And then it's like, oh, yes, we were discussing the show that we're putting on. We had an emergency rehearsal, you know, and then the Duke's like, oh, well, what's the what's the thing about? And they have to go through this whole, you know, mirage of like, oh, yeah, there's a sitar player who falls in love with like they just go through this whole thing in that scene. That was the scene where I was like, OK, I got to pause this and take a break because <laughs> it's like the medium shot length, I think, is like less than like it's like a millisecond. It is so fast. It's like boom, 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 boom. boom and the sound effects like the head switch. that like, like the
1: people. like the frames per?
0: Yeah. Any given. Mm-hmm. OK,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's it is. It's nauseating.
0: <laughs> it's it's a lot and it's a Dizzying. lot throughout most of the movie to the point mm-hmm. where like that scene in particular. And then there's a couple scenes later where the editing is so quick, where I honestly, I can't tell what's going on at some point. Like there's I a think scene I know
1: exactly the point where, you're talking about and it doesn't really warrant it. It's someone like, like gets
0: on scene. top of and McGregor at some point, like someone's on his shoulders or something. And someone gets like turned around and pushed in a chair. And I was like, okay, what just happened? Like I got to rewind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lot. And I think, you know, in the age of like, I think kind of quick cutting kind of has moved into the like action movie genre. So it's a little weird to see this in a musical, but they add it, add it with the sound effects, like head swooshing and like slapstick. Like you think yes. it's a Ned Steed classified episode. Like all the sound effects <laughs> are playing, it's like audience reaction. And you know, coconut the song head appears on.
1: from around the corner. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And oh the and then they're like doing yeah they're doing like the the can can they're doing like everything's like in their face and everyone's mm-hmm. like going around in a circle it's like it'll run for fifty yeah. years and they just keep going and going and going it's like oh my god this is not gonna end like it, it's, it's so tiring. my favorite
1: is when they're all just it's the shot of them all just jumping up and down in synchronization yes. <laughs> it's it's absurd I love spectacular spectacular that number because really almost every number has a different feeling and a tone to it and it's just like a different way of exercising like your editing and like directorial muscle really and it's just so absurd um because i mean it's absurd that they're all coming up with this on the spot to save their ass um but there's just it it's just a lot of fun and experimenting on you know the production behalf of how can we mix up this medium like just the bopping mm-hmm. up and down running making it dizzying and, and, and the swoosh, and all the crazy editing and the head movements and it's just a, it's like a wall of noise honestly yeah my uh-huh. my kind of overarching thought on that of just how o- over the top it is is that the the sheer weight and devastation of the tragedy cannot exist without the exuberance and the over-the-topness. Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, night and day. You can't be happy without having the sad times to make the happy times good. So it it just adds that element of silliness and absurdity and over-the-topness that when the over-the-top melodrama, uh, melodrama of, you know, uh, Satine's swan song and she dies, and you're like, oh my God. But it... Everything leading up to that has been, like, this is over the top and crazy, so why are you rolling your eyes? And you just, like, Mm -hmm. buy into it. And I I love spectacular spectacular because you're right. You're coming from, like, her just moaning all over the couch in this crazy body humor to then them falling in love and then, oh no, we're star-crossed lovers now because you're not actually a duke. Now we got to do this, and it—it it really is like whiplash. You're going from mm-hmm. one thing to the next to the next. Um, but that's like constantly throughout it.
0: Yeah, you know. And you do make a great point that when the movie does slow down for the more dramatic beats, it is effective, and I—I think that's why. <laughs> Yeah, that there's when yeah, when she does her final song, when, you know, Tango Roxanne is a little bit slower um, when uh, they do like there's even like a couple moments of them just talking where it like feels like there is the weight to it because it adds like, okay we we're going to take the time to actually focus on this and not have like boom, 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 boom. When Um, they
1: are still there is a reason and you notice
0: Yes. The stillness
1: mm-hmm. versus the crazy jumping. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, they even take their time when they do the uh, th- like the all you need is love medley kind of when he's when they're on like mm-hmm. top of the elephant.
1: The um, Yeah. The elephant love medley.
0: Yes. Yeah. Is that actually what it's called? Yes. Straight okay. up. <laughs> <laughs> um, that scene is also really good. Like I was really into that, um, you know, jumping from song to song and, and you know
1: that works because it's mm-hmm. just campy and it's all love songs they're not putting up mm-hmm. pretenses that this is something new it's like nah this is a collection of all these classic love songs so you know exactly how deep their love is for each other you yeah. know they're saying mm-hmm. I i will always love you which is just like makes you want to vomit how sappy it is but like it works
0: mm-hmm yeah, and again, it's because you believe the performers, and the performers believe what they're doing because they're so committed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you want to talk about Tango Roxanne?
1: Oh, do I want to talk about Tango Roxanne? <laughs> I put this scene on. I, I I bought the the movie in preparation for this because I was like, mm-hmm. you know what? I, I keep renting it too many times. I may as well bite the $8 and buy it yeah. off of Amazon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they... There's, like, a video of just Tango Roxanne. It's, like, reversed flip, though. Doesn't deter me. I, I think the tango sequence is, like, one of my favorite film moments ever. Mm-hmm. I think it is just so beautifully done. It is yeah. so high stakes. And it's, I think, the most successful uh, known music transformation that they do.
0: Mm-hmm. Because yeah. it's,
1: you know, people know Roxanne, but as a tango, if you were to just say that, like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. But it is so effective. And the actors, I love the woman who plays Nini. I think she gives an incredible <laughs> really performance. Mm-hmm. Um, it It is so tense and just... The jumpiness of the shots, the eyes, oh my God, the shot of Nini's eyes and, and the looking in it, that's one where the editing and everything, it's piecing together the narrative, the story. Mm-hmm. And then you get the parallels with Christian's jealousy with the stance and then leaving and seeing Satine and Satine sees him and the Duke sees it. Uh, it, it is just such a complete piece of art. Mm-hmm. And you just, again, you get this wall of sound of everyone screaming and just the sheer pain of it all. Mm-hmm. It just builds brick by brick by brick. And it's just, it's such a tipping point. And yeah. it it just the tension the tension is insane yeah.
0: well it's a tough scene because <sighs> they like they have like three different things that they have to they mm-hmm. have to focus on and they have to be able to balance it so there is the the dance the actual tango itself there's mm-hmm. christian who has the least amount to do in this scene but is is doing more of his it's more um, internal conflict um, yes. in terms of like you know his stuff is more Almost soliloquy, like it's kind of said to the audience, as, as he's yeah. moving through the actual dance hall, and then obviously there's the uh, the assault of Satine and the, and the Duke. Um, but they balance it, yeah, they balance it really well, um, and it makes good juxtaposition because the song is already like there's a lot of longing in the song, but they make it darker. That it is already like really twisted, so you get this feeling it's extremely off-putting. And yeah, the guy who is singing is like, <sighs> is like I, like the vocal gravel oh, that he does. The, yes, is just awesome. It's he slaps. goes for
1: it. <laughs> I, I I think so much in this is lost in this stage musical having Christian sing it because I I, I feel like this is a point where everyone's like, dude this isn't about you anymore. This is our livelihood. This is the Moulin Rouge is now a theater. If we don't get this funding because of you, because she can't do what she's supposed to, we're all going under, which happens. Everything turns to shit after, you know, she dies and this plays out. And sure, the bohemian ideals were reached, but like at what cost? So Mm -hmm. I, I love this idea of his peers performing out this is the reality of what's going to happen. Again, they tell you everything that's going to happen. And it, it's it's ideals versus reality. I think that's a huge theme in this. Mm-hmm. And it's the reality being by someone who is idealist like him, slapping him in the face with it. And it's just that the tension of them all waiting in the theater, waiting for Satine to go have dinner and have sex with a Duke and come back and everything's fine. Like yeah. – it It is so phenomenally high stakes. <laughs> and I just think so much is lost when Christian is just singing it. It's like he, there's not that realization that, dude,
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. you really
1: screwed the pooch on this one and things yeah. better turn out. But like they're not going to turn out good. Here's why.
0: Yeah. And um, you, you need to see the consequence of it. You need to see mm-hmm. Satine and the Duke. You need you need to be able to see that. And also having the darker blue tones just in the frame, the way that the color looks is is adds to it because the whole tango, a lot of it is based just as a dance in and of itself is Mm -hmm. red. Like it's all that's very red and Christian's kind of in the middle and he looks very plain and all of Satine's stuff is is blue and there's a lot more slow motion that they use a lot of the early 2000 slow motions where it's kind of like frame 100%. by frame kind of <laughs> that was one thing where I they dated it and I was like all right I see like it is obviously a limitation it shows its age (laughs) yeah yeah there's only a couple things where it shows its age i think in a lot of like the cgi like especially in moving through the city in the beginning at first it's like okay i I get that it's like kind of has this cool kind of traveling theater show feel but then it starts to kind of drift yeah storybook kind of drift into like dvd menu kind of territory
1: almost oh my Um, (laughs) dvd menu that's (laughs) that's unfortunately a really good way to put it
0: (laughs) yeah um but you know you see that in this in the sequence but again they yeah having all the close-ups of like the the foot movement of the dance and him in the center they do good circle camera movement they have mm-hmm. um you know i don't know what the song that christian sings I, I don't know what 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 song that is but he is getting this really good like it starts low and then it goes like goes up and like like he has like is I able I to cry. kind of Hmm. Yep. He it it, it moves again, and I'm also a sucker. Like in any musical where it's like two songs that are kind of conflicting, or like four different mm-hmm. parts going at the same yeah. time. Yeah, and then the Duke joins shit. in, yeah. singing the same mm-hmm. thing
1: Christian is singing.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm. It's uh, dark. Like it's a pretty dark. Like, and that's the other thing I will say about this movie that I will give it credit for is that it doesn't really have that much of a happy ending like and yes you see it coming but it's not like it's not gonna end with christian becoming successful he's just gonna write his story and that's that's the end of it Mm -hmm. um 100 yeah so it has those good highs like like tango roxanne and like Uh, um like the ending
1: i think that's the merit of telling you in the very beginning like she's gonna die things are sad this is the end of the show here you go so it it doesn't come as like a disappointment i think after so much over-the-topness and excitement and comedy and everything it's not like oh she dies like all Mm -hmm. this goes it's like no 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 you you know this so don't be disappointed enjoy the journey um god it's so devastating in the end i cry every time
0: yeah, uh, um, let's talk about the end because I have mm-hmm. I have a lot of thoughts. I, sure. I, and I, I want to talk about the the right out of the gate, absolute positive. Um, you know, using Come What May Again is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Good um, themes. The staging of everything, the pacing, and, you know, kind of knowing where everyone is in this location, like having Christian move behind, like, backstage, and the bodyguard is, like, kind of coming to get him while everything's happening on stage. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> everyone's performance, and especially when um when Satine is dying um we know it's like it's kind of one of those cool things where <clears throat> like we know the Duke isn't the one that killed her necessarily um but you know she still dies and it was like okay all this happened but like at what cost was this mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Gregor Gregor when he is like crying and like lets out this like wail I was like, oh, you <sighs> you feel like, it. You feel it. Yeah, you really feel it, like deep in the pits of your stomach. Like, wow, that that hurt. The grief that really hurt. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's um, that's really great. Um, I also like shout out to the bodyguard when he's trying to like make his way through the band and like on stage. He's like, oh shit, and he does <laughs> this, like little dance. Yeah, and the tambourine, <laughs> like, hey,
1: <laughs> um, yeah, that that's one of my biggest critiques that's always bothered me is we show the gun in the beginning very Chekhov's gun Warner has a gun he shows it to Toulouse and like it goes off but no one dies from the gun and it's not that I want to see you know <laughs> blood on the floor somebody shot and I don't if Christian was shot and killed it'd be a little too Romeo and Juliet he has to live on and it's tragic but like <clears throat> the fact that it just kind of gets kicked away and off the Eiffel Tower in the end it's like okay but that just isn't satisfying mm-hmm. um, for me I don't know if you were done analysis but that's just my Warner's gun thing I was like <laughs> uh.
0: yeah I mean I, I hadn't remembered it wrong for sure like I was going into this like yep she was shot like I don't know why but in my head I was like she was definitely shot like I, I know that's how this movie ends I know the Duke killed and that's not that's not what happens I don't personally mind the CGI shot of the gun going out I think it's oh, very it's silly much in, I love it's it it's extremely <laughs> silly and in the world of the movie but it, I do it's very much like
1: the moon with the the mustache doing opera at the end of elephant love medley like those yeah, crazy and, special effects
0: right and it's very again very milieu mm-hmm. with the face in the moon and the, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's it's interesting because it. Yeah, because the Duke doesn't turn out to be the the worst that he could be. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, he is terrible and does some very you know heinous things throughout this movie. Um, but yeah, having it. I, I don't know, I, I don't I wasn't even thinking of it in that sense. Um, I think it was kind of a subversion of the trope almost. I like that she dies from the um, from the sickness personally because again, it is kind of this ticking ticking clock that it's going to um, that mm-hmm. this this love that you have is going to go away. Um, and I don't know. I always like when a movie is like, okay, this you got this, but at what cost like i've I've always been a fan of when something does yeah. when someone does that. Um I'm curious to know like how it could have gone like, if the Duke had shot her, what would then be the actual ending? Would it have ended the same? I don't really know. You could play the what if game like all you want. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I totally get what you're saying. It is a little. Um, it is the one thing that they do foreshadow that they don't follow through. Follow, with.
1: Yeah, follow through with. Um, I, I do agree that I, I like that. <laughs> I like that she dies of consumption. Um, <laughs> but uh, that inevitability And that neither party really knows until it's too late. Um, I think her death by illness. But the big theme that I kept kind of coming back to is idealism in the face of stark reality. Mm -hmm. Bohemian ideals, uh, beauty, truth, love versus what's already status quo in society. You know, bohemian poverty, all that versus wealth. Mm-hmm. Um, this idea of their lovers, they're star-crossed lovers, versus the reality that she is a courtesan and she is essentially promised to this Duke. So you mm-hmm. have, you know, live for together. We finally love each other. The Duke is out of the picture. We've done this. I love you. The reality of, but she's fatally ill. So they finally get to that ideal and then she dies so should we strive for these ideals if reality is more likely to win that's kind of what i i come to is you know these bohemian ideals that she represent i think it i think it is worth it to strive for that and lose everything because then you feel the whole range of human emotion you truly experience all that there is and I just I think her dying is it's necessary and it's just so devastating because you don't they're they're finally together everything's resolved you want them to to work out and be together but the reality that we have known from the very very beginning is that she dies Mm -hmm. and there is nothing you can do to change it right but the journey of the story is it worth it in the end to strive even if you're going to fail i i think so mm-hmm. i think it kind of portrays that i don't know what do you what do you think about all that
0: i think we should go to analyze this to continue this point because we're going into analysis territory now oh perfect I, I think you bring up a really great point about, yeah, the, the reality, um, you know, versus idealism, because this is a very idyllic or idyllic movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's one thing that I will at least praise the editing for and that like most of this is about artistry. And, you know, I, I'm very drawn to movies about artists being an artist myself. Um, but I think that a lot of this, especially in the beginning, has a lot to do with, you know, high minded ambitions, go to this place you've heard so much about and then you meet these people and then you go to this world and then you have this idea and then like it's happening so fast and you know that's why the editing is so like you know mm-hmm. quick cut Purky is because jerky. it's like it is very much like your mind especially at that young age is so scatterbrained and when you hear him say you know I haven't uh, I've never felt love before um, it's that's the sense like oh yes this is another indication that he is extremely young um, and yeah you do need <clears throat> I do agree that you need like uh, the hard truth um, and the world to kind of push back um, whether it is the Duke, if the Duke were to kill her or the consumption, that's why I don't mind it is because the world does fight back. I think if they wanted to go even in, in a, uh in a different way that could still fit with the theme is this idea of like wanting to do something that truly makes you happy, but needing to do something that actually keeps you alive. So if she mm-hmm. ends up coming, if they do the show and then it ends and then everyone goes back to their starving lifestyle and she continues to be a courtesan, that in and of itself is actually a pretty disturbing ending, but also keeps this idea that like, yes, they were able to do this like amazing feat in artistry and like put the show and put themselves out there for doing a show and putting this on um but that job ends what's next how are you going to stay alive what's the next um what's the next step for you and everyone goes back to maybe some people were to leave like the bohemian area um and you know become like more people will become courtesans more people you know just end up like leaving or or whatever that could also be interesting but again that's just that's just another avenue that they could have gone in terms of the ending that we do get i am fine with the world pushing back like that is a that's a good character arc for you know christian because he has to have this thing where and as a young person we all need these moments where you just get kicked in the stomach like you just got to get kicked in the ass in order to move forward and by the end of it he's like okay i know what i can do i can i'll write this story and this will be something that i remembered for um so and I think that that in and of itself is a big part of artistry and, or just really life is that you kind of have to go through experiences in order to grow, in order to put something out there, in order to be a better person, in order to, uh, you know, connect with other people. You have to be able to make it through, you know, these really horrible situations or this horrible experience. Um, yeah. So I, I personally don't mind it. And um, but you do bring up an excellent point of the um, you know, it, it is devastating at the end. It is just like so gut wrenching. Like uh, like I said, it's like the most effective thing in the movie for me of where I was like, this is actual like drama, drama and it works because mm-hmm. they um, because again, because the performers, they're so good. Um, did any of that make sense? Like I hope.
1: That yeah, makes absolutely. Sense. that. I, one of my notes was a uh, cautionary tale for artists, LOL, because I, I think we all either have done this or know someone who like, I don't to say either collegiate uh, theater or like high school, like, Oh, we're dating. We're the leads. And then they break up right. and it affects everybody. It affects the final product. It affects the process. It affects the atmosphere and the mood. And it's just like, uh, you ruined it for all of us but it's that excitement of it so yeah. that, that idea of like first love overcoming all logic and reason and that ability to step back and go like wait like that perspective that perspective there um, what, the, the note before that is I paid for my whore dick move dick yeah. move Christian
0: yeah. Yeah. okay 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 yeah. thank you Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because I, that was the one thing I, I actually should have said earlier, but it works for here because we talk about character mm-hmm. arcs. That whole like 10 minute stretch. I was like, <laughs> "Where's does, where's this coming from? Because yeah. I understand that they're another big theme that they highlight. Again, very general theme is of jealousy is, and they do it through the tango rocks and that feeling in him is starting to turn. Um, and, You know, and I mean, there's a lot of scenes that become the same where it's like, I love you. Oh, but we can't. Oh, but I want to. Okay, let's do it. Oh, wait, we can't. All right, see you later. You know, like there's a lot of those, but they, and then they start to twist it because they need the big third act conflict, right? Um, (laughs) Yeah. Of course. But the end, I was like, this guy is like, I get he's supposed to be, because they they say it like he has become mad with jealousy. You know, it's Mm -hmm. the. As, as uh, you see, I told you this would happen, and it, but I was like, and I don't want to like out woke myself or anything, oh but I was like, God. this dude is Hit me with this, a, this dude's a fucking asshole. <laughs> I was like, it kind sure. of took me out of it a little bit. I was like, what is the like, where is it? Just felt so out of left field, like, it felt like really quick because it was like,
1: yeah,
0: he's leaving after Tango Roxanne, and then they break up and then he is like why don't you love me like he's like shaking her yeah when they're going to the show and he's like yo why don't you love me like I don't really, tell me what's wrong why am i not good enough for you like i was like dog you like, gotta uh, calm down <laughs> yeah it, <Ixnay> on
1: <laughs> yeah and the fact that you know he does it on stage and throws the money at her i don't know if it's you know, and he's talking to the Duke, and maybe in his mind, he's humiliating the Duke, but he's really humiliating her and yes. himself because it's yes. like jarring. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I guess, you know, that emotional immaturity of feeling love and like, how can someone who loves me this much hurt me without having that perspective of like, you need to? Sometimes it's for the best, sometimes there are things that you just don't know. Um, another thing I wrote was kind of this theme of that transformative power of love for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. So you're saying like driven mad by jealousy, that's constantly hammered. And just like we know everything that's about to happen, Christian knows everything that's about to happen. He is told upfront, this is the path you are riding. Just like we, as the audience know, this is the path we're riding for the next hour and 30, however long. Um, uh, you know, so much of this transformation, so much of the Argentinian and Christian kind of being stand-ins for each other at different points, being foils to each other. Um, but, but, yeah, love lifts us up where we belong. <laughs> love is crazy. We're shouting on the mountaintops. Nothing can take us down. But... Love can transform us into envious monsters who will hurt the very thing we love because we just can't comprehend love making us mm-hmm. upset and heartbroken. So so I really think that's kind of the climax of that is that love changes you and can transform you right. positively or negatively. It is just – it, it really is kind of jarring watching it back and being like wow that really was a dick move like what yeah. she gonna be like oh you've charmed me like yeah. I'll get back <laughs> with you like damn this is her big moment it's so unsupportive what an unsupportive boyfriend <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry it's- if I had my opening night on Broadway and my boyfriend came out and was like you left dishes in the sink or something <laughs> like that I I'd be so upset, like, how dare you? Yes. So, the fact that See, she's sad more than, like, angry also is like, girl, own your own your stage. This is your moment. How dare he?
0: Yeah, and again, Ugh. like, them singing Come What May is is very beautiful, but again, it, it was such a quick turnaround, and then it feels like, oh, okay, we're good now. And I, I think it would have been different, again, I hate playing the what-if game, but this is just something that came to my head. It would have been different if... Because this is also a movie. I think this is how it would have played. If it plays this way on stage, I think that makes sense that it's in front of the whole cast because that's kind of like how Mm -hmm. it works or whatever. But if it's in a movie, I think if they had a scene right after they break up or something, like they're breaking up, there's this all this emotion and then there's like another scene or something where he, him, the Duke and um, Satine are in the same room and he just says to him, you know, as a poignant like, I paid for my whore as like a fuck you to the Duke, which is what that scene is meant to be. That's what we're supposed to take away from. We're supposed to be like, Hey, yeah, fuck you Duke. You're an asshole. (laughs) Like if it was just the three of them in a room doing that, I would have probably felt different where it would have been like, it would have read off as like, okay, he's becoming immature because of love. And also Mm -hmm. again, because he's really young, but he's sticking it to the Duke. But like, that ending is humiliating. Like, that is... You you, you don't bounce back from that. Like, that, that's a yeah. tough beat.
1: Satine really... That ending, couple of moments of her life, she really lives enough life for, like, anybody. Like, it is... Beat after beat, emotion after emotion, like turn after turn. And it's like, I'd probably collapse too. Not of tuberculosis, but like sheer emotional exhaustion of being whipped around. It, yeah, it's just so humiliating for her.
0: Yeah. And again, so good. they, they like save it with like her death scene is again very effective. And McGregor, you believe that he is very much in love with her and mm-hmm. having that loss is again I, I do think it's effective it's just that five minutes before it happens where I'm just like whoa alright <laughs> <laughs> this what? went from like 1 to 11 really quick Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just, then- so like so yeah so I don't know and uh, again I'm still able to get in with the ending like I can still go along with it but I, and i also didn't want to be like am i missing something like i'm glad i'm not i'm glad i'm not alone where i was like wow all right fuck you dude like wow <laughs> <laughs> all right
1: yeah. um do you uh,
0: do you have any other like final takeaways or should we get to the the big brooding question
1: final takeaways god i could just talk about Moulin Rouge for for hours i didn't even i wrote so many little notes about the lighting that I Mm -hmm. never realized. Like we're talking about Tango Roxanne and the ending. Um, Oh yeah. So here's a little tie in just for like the, the lights. And then the ending that I noticed is that you have that blue and the red theme, both Christian and Satine are introduced in blue Mm -hmm. Um, Satine throughout as she is, you know, her former quote unquote self. She's in red Moulin Rouge is red. It's, you know, creatures of the underworld, sin versus blue, kind of that innocence, but also sadness. And it, it's used back and forth, Tango Roxanne, you know, she's in the blue light, he's in the red light now. Um, but that final scene between that, when she's dying, they're in natural lighting. Mm-hmm. There is no <clears throat> extraneous lighting, anything. It's just her dying in his arms in the plain light and people are watching. So I, I think that moment is just so beautiful and it just really kind of uh, showcases. I think what I just love so much about this movie is that every single element feels well, like thought through and, you know, better or for worse, they made a choice and I, I will always appreciate a performance with choices versus something that's just kind of safe and boring. Um, Yeah. I just think it's such a smart movie. Uh, and there are just so many... A lot of thematic choices are backed up by production choices and vice versa. So that's probably like my main analytical and critical takeaways. that, you know, it, it's certainly not for everybody. And I can totally see why certain people are turned off by it. But I think there is a subset of people where it is just like clicks and yeah. it's like the light bulb in the head like this is art and I'm yeah. one of them it's art I think it's just art you know
0: yeah capital a art oh my um gosh. yeah I, I think and I again I'm not I I don't I wouldn't say I love this movie I do think it's good I did enjoy it um I would definitely watch it again maybe um mm-hmm. you know maybe I'll enjoy it more the second time uh and I, I think I, I think just the big thing is that it is so much you know yes. it does it does remind me a lot of the quintessential over-the-top annoying theater kid you know like sure every, everyone we all know that person we're thinking of five people that are that example right now um, five
1: eye rolls in a row like yes absolutely.
0: <laughs> like all right i get it you know but you know there is a lot of like you said there's a lot of choices made there's a lot of um everyone's committed and I really love when you see that when some when just all the actors are just locked in, and they believe what they're doing, and like and, and they may know going into it like okay this is probably not going to be for everybody. I'm sure Baz Lerman when he goes into any project is like okay it's probably not going to be for everybody, but I don't give a shit. This is what I want to see. And yeah. I have to admire that um, because it is it's ballsy you know to to do something like that. And yeah, it's a there breath are of some, fresh air. Yeah, and there yeah. are things that. Haven't aged well in terms of the visuals, and you know, some of the editing just doesn't work for me. Most of the problems I have with it are technical things, okay. Um, and and again, the story I don't really think is meant to be so get invested to where it's like, oh no, they broke up oh my God, are they (laughs) going to get back together? It's like, no dickhead. They said that in the beginning. Like, it's going to just, yeah, just wait. All right. I think it's just mainly about the performers and just letting them, you know, bring whatever they have into this and then, and then some, Mm -hmm. uh, and I love seeing that. I, I love giving performers the space to just, to just cook, you know, and they all really deliver. Um, now like for you is is it more because you mentioned a lot about like the technical stuff is it are you mm-hmm. much more when you watch movies focusing on the technical presentation of things or i mean it's probably subjective but is or is it the the performances in the story
1: i wouldn't say i focus on the technical right away usually it's performances and, and the plot and the story and devices it uses um but I will say that if something is wrong or something doesn't feel right technically, I'm going to hone in on it. Like if you have characters who are in a post-apocalyptic world, like Bird Box, you want to tell me Sandra Bullock has perfect eye makeup, having to wear a blindfold and like, you know, being on the brink of death constantly stuff like that, where it's like, you know something's happening and your clothes are like perfect and they're not dirty or like content it just uh i think i'm very sensitive to when things just are like whoa 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 whoa, whoa." this takes me out of it whereas Mm -hmm. i won't really notice it if it adds and it's doing its job if it's doing its job and submersing me in the world and convincing me of this world i don't really focus on it because it's it's working, but if it's not working, I'll be like, "Ooh, this takes me immediately out of what you are trying to convince me of." So
0: it's like jarring, and I, yeah. And yeah, and it's, like it's I'm, jarring, and it's like there's a suspension of disbelief. You know, you kind of have to go into that. Mm-hmm. I'm not usually one to, you know, laud over logic in movies, but like,
1: yeah, you
0: have to. You, you do have to convince me. And if sure. something, if something is, yeah, jarring to the rest of it or sticks out like a sore thumb, you're going to notice it
1: yeah and i guess just with repeated viewings that's why i've just kind of focused on the technical stuff like another thing with i don't know why it's just lighting it's just because i guess i realized like wow the lighting adds so much you don't really realize uh another theme the green fairy green is the bohemians they're always in green uh john linguizamo throughout it as toulouse he's like he's literally a visionary Because he sees what's going to happen throughout. Like when he sings Nature Boy for the first time and he knows everyone's excited and he's crying because he knows. And then he parses it together that, oh my god, he's trying to kill Christian. He's in green. Like just little things like that where it's like you've just created this whole world from lighting. And I I get jazzed about that. So uh, I just think this movie is just a feast for the eyes and the senses and the acting and performances are just – chef's kiss so does, that's it, that's my long answer to your question yeah.
0: <laughs> i mean it does also play into i mean i mentioned how a lot of it is dated but it does play into this early 2000s storybook <laughs> kind of style sure. this like interesting quick like, kind of grainy brown storybook type quality to it and i think that that is it, it's an interesting um You know, way way to kind of look at this movie because it is so. The characters are all playing, you know, off of each other within the realm of the story that they know is going to happen, and it's just it's kind of fascinating to see that set in a musical. You don't really, it's not really, you don't really see that all that often. Yeah. Um. So I do tip my hat to the chances taken and the, um, you know, and the commitment and obviously, like I said, I love stories about artists. I find them to be very relatable. Um, sure. <laughs> and i i i am i am excited to to see this again I, I hope that the next time i do watch it it is in a group i do think that that would be way more fun it would fun. add to it it would definitely add to, yeah it would add to the experience um but i overall i i did very much enjoy myself um and there is there is definitely a lot to to get into i think we covered Pretty much all. A,
1: <laughs> I got a question for you. Would you see the Moulin Rouge musical? Uh, I'm not like actively get tickets and see it.
0: No, no. I'm not rushing <laughs> to see it. If I sure. had the opportunity to, like, I would see if, like, a try. Okay, so there's a theater in Binghamton that does like Broadway in Binghamton, like a lot of the national Ooh. tour stuff, and they get okay. like some pretty some pretty good ones. So yeah. if like that was the case, I would consider it. I'm yeah. definitely not rushing to see it on Broadway though. I it,
1: I yeah. It I, just
0: doesn't it doesn't <sighs> seem like it works. Like it just doesn't sound like it makes sense. Like it, it's just a it, again it's another one where also the movie like I don't know why I do this because the movie is like, why bring this back after 20 years? Like, I, I don't, I don't understand. I don't, just don't really understand that choice.
1: exactly. And uh, I, I think Moulin Rouge is like the OG jukebox. And I, I guess I understand wanting to put it on, on the stage. And, you know, I was excited for that, but yeah, 20 years later. So, and that's, that's the thing. 20 years later, they can't really do the same songs and stuff. So like elephant love medley, the sparkling diamond, it was all changed. And because you know Moulin Rouge 2001 was a jukebox of everything that came before it Moulin Rouge on Broadway now is a jukebox of things from there onward so you have like Beyoncé in there you have all these different songs really? so it's like it's a di- oh my god oh, you got to listen one no. of the songs it's like they don't they don't really do the same songs like the bohemians have Uh, a mashup of Royals and tonight, like tonight we are young, whatever that is. And it's just so like, it feels like, hey, you remember these songs from the radio? We're doing them right now. Are you listening? It's it feels pandry, but I also understand why they made it Jukebox of current hits because that's what Moulin Rouge was in its original distilled incarnation. So I, I commend them for wanting to kind of take that ideal of taking things up until now, we're throwing them together, we're reinventing them in this original package. I understand and I honestly respect artistically wanting to create something that's not a carbon copy because you really can't with Moulin Rouge. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate them taking that, but like, I don't want to hear raise your glass from pink on Broadway. I want to hear like stuff that I, you know, I don't want to turn on like the pops radio, you know, it, it, for me is just, it's not as successful as, as a jukebox concept as its original source material. Cause Moulin Rouge was truly, nothing was like it really beforehand. Mm -hmm.
0: It's, it just sounds so hokey, though, because it's like <laughs> yes. I just I just don't like that because that to me, it just sounds like we're slapping the name Moulin Rouge on there. And because mm-hmm. like, OK, if you're a big fan, if you're a diehard fan and you don't know that and you're going into being like, oh, I wonder how they're going to do like, you know, the the elephant medley or how they're going to do, you know, just this song. And if it's not in there. Then it just so it's feels so different. It's so like, different. Like, I, and uh, I don't know. And I, I haven't seen it. I can't judge it. I haven't really listened to it. So I don't have, I have a very, very narrow view of what the show actually mm-hmm. is, but that, that just knowing that, that makes me want to see yeah. it even less.
1: <laughs> it, it does some successful things like, okay, I don't like that. Christian is the one that sings Roxanne and it's not in a tango, like really arrangement. But they do give, I think it's Ricky Rojas is, is the actor that plays the Argentinian. Um, I don't think he's named. So the narcoleptic Argentinian, uh, he sings, I think it's called Backstage Romance. And it's uh, Lady Gaga's Bad Romance with, there's like a little bit of Britney Spears is toxic in it. I think it works. It's actually kind of like sexy and cool. But why did we give him that? as a consolation prize for not having the tango. It just feels like yeah. here, throwing top hits at you and seeing what sticks. So uh, it's weird hope because all of those forever.
0: songs, all of those songs are fairly recent and all of these songs, like we're still obviously very popular, but they were hits from the eighties and the seventies in the mm-hmm. movie. I mean, and then yeah. adding these, I don't It just sounds too pandering. Like I, I, it- I don't know. I don't know.
1: It's, yeah, it, it it very much is like wants you to recognize every single thing we're throwing in there as opposed to like, oh, dad's going to know this song. Mom culturally knows this one. uh, Little Johnny Sue, Johnny and Sue, they know this hot, you know, this hot song from the radio smells like teen spirit. What in tarnation? But versus like having it all be like, <laughs> like, i don't know why like my generic oh my nuclear God. family who is these, very southern
0: characters
1: i <laughs> uh, got dad sue? <laughs> dad who loves trucks beers and 80s rock bands you got the mom who desperately wants to escape into the world of abba and mama mia um and have three lovers of her own but is too afraid to do it then you got johnny sue and Susie john um <laughs> Which they are just shithead kids that listen to pop radio and like nirvana and are I think different, Mom. Like, <laughs> so I think there's a lot the of therapy meetings family. in this
0: family. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Is this like a projection of no, no, it can't be. It can't be. Uh, <laughs> Tarnation. So that's
0: uh, well, Oh well on that note. Thank you so much, Evelyn, for coming on. <laughs> of
1: course. On. How fun. I love talking people's ear off about Moulin Rouge just so many so many opinions and hot takes and I am so glad you brought them too
0: <laughs> anytime oh anytime that does it for this episode of frankly I love movies oh, a huge thanks to Evelyn Oliver for coming on if you want more Frankly I Love Movies content, please go check out our social media pages. On Facebook, we are Frankly I Love Movies. On Twitter, we are at Frankly Podcast. And Frankly I Love Movies now on Instagram. And if you'd like more recent movie reviews from me, go check out my letterbox page, Big Walls 21 Frankly I Love Movies is part of the Orion Valley Productions podcast network where you can listen to other shows such as Ravnica Avengers, our Real Play D&D podcast, and Tea Time with Titans, our Attack on Titan recap podcast. New episodes of that are out every single Wednesday. And finally, tune in in two weeks when our lovely boom operator and all-around light of our lives, Seth Magliola, joins us to break the seal and talk about our very first Studio Ghibli film, Princess Mononoke. Until then, I'm Josh Wall, and frankly, I love movies.